0: Are you always your authentic self, or are there maybe times where you're less than authentic because of maybe expectations of others or how they might react? Well, God wants us to be authentic with Him and with others all the time, but if we aren't our authentic self, we won't become everything God created us to be. You may be surprised by just how common this problem is among Christians today, especially with the rise of social media and our online identities. But what can we do about it? How can we become our authentic selves again and make sure that we stay our authentic selves? Well, in this episode, I'm going to be joined by George Hartwell, who's a Christian counselor and registered psychotherapist, who's going to help us answer some of those questions. We're going to talk about everything from what it means to be a people pleaser to the dangers of letting it go unaddressed. You're going to also hear about how you can overcome any area where you may be inauthentic or how you can help others close to you become their more authentic self. And if, uh, well, feelings are completely foreign to you, you'll even learn how you can get more in tune with what you really think and how you really feel about something in the first place. We'll cover that and a lot more. So let's get into it right now. Hey, I'm Ryan S. Howard, and this is Your Faith at Work, You were created to be intentional, influential, and impactful, and I'm here to help you reach the God-given potential you were created with. This podcast will inform, inspire, and equip you to advance the kingdom every day right where you are. Join me each week as we live out our faith, understand the times, and partner with God in life and work. Visit RyanSHoward.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Your Faith at Work podcast. I'm Ryan Howard, and I've got a very special guest with me today. Uh, It is George Hartwell. He is a Christian counselor and a registered psychotherapist. And uh, we've got a very important topic today that might surprise you how relevant it is to your life and those close to you. Now, George has a master's degree in clinical psychology from the Department of Educational Psychology at the University of Calgary. He's got over 40 years of practical experience as a professional Christian counselor, and he's currently writing a book on inner transformation. And at the end of this, stick around, I'm going to tell you how you can get a free chapter on the topic of today, which is people-pleasing. So uh, he's also uh, skilled in what he likes to call listening prayer therapy. And what I love about George, is that he really ties together his clinical expertise, as well as what the Holy Spirit is saying to him and to his client while he's in a therapy session. So, hey, George, welcome to the Your Faith at Work podcast.
1: Pretty really glad to be here, Ryan.
0: Now, let's kick this thing off. Maybe just tell us a little bit uh, more about you and kind of what you're up to, and, uh, and then we'll get into people-pleasing.
1: Okay, well, you've said it. Like I'm in practice as a very experienced uh, therapist, Christian counselor, and uh, I do combine my belief in God and understanding of the Bible with well-chosen skills from psychotherapy and psychology. So combining them both, which a lot of people like, Um, But it means sessions start with prayer, finish with prayer. And sometimes with individual therapy, we get into using prayer and connection with God and God's truth as part of the transformation process, healing process.
0: Well, that's wonderful. And one thing I didn't mention is that now you have a you do online uh, counseling and therapy, which is uh, mostly in the U.S. and Canada, but you're also available uh, other countries as well. Sure. Yes,
1: phone, Skype, FaceTime, whatever works, I'm available, uh, preferably in English.
0: Yeah, right. That makes it easier. Uh, Certainly doable. Well, let's go ahead and get into the topic. I think, um, you know, that the idea of people pleasing is something that. Uh, Some listeners may be familiar with, they may not be, so we'll just start and build from the ground up, and I think think most listeners are going to find out that it's maybe more relevant to them than they think, Uh, and so we're going to talk, we're going to go deep into this today, but uh, maybe let's just start off with how you define the idea of people-pleasing.
1: Right right ryan uh, you know this topic actually i realized looking at it i got a few chapters in the book it could be a complete book on its own so there's a lot in it um people pleasing defined is essentially uh, to go a little deeper and say we give up our essential authentic identity to create this kind of uh, false identity of the nice guy good guy um the intention, the intention behind that, the core belief behind that is if I'm nice, if I am pleasing, if I do well, then I'm going to be loved and affirmed and part of the family, part of the group. So uh, I give up being authentic, meaning having my own thinking and my own feelings and expressing those and trying to do everything that I think will please the other person. So it's focused on the audience, the other person, and how to please them, as opposed to expressing self or who I am in God.
0: Well, that's a, a pretty clear definition, and I think one of the things that maybe a lot of times people don't think about the idea of being focused on others rather than me being my authentic self. I think that it's very uh, tough to find that these days. It seems, um especially with everything online and uh, social media and all that, is. Um, People not being their authentic self, is that sort of uh, very common, you think? Is that widespread? Is it something, uh, I mean, how can people know uh, if they're being their authentic self? Is there some signals that they should be looking for to say, hmm, there might be something I should dig into here?
1: Yes, uh, sadly, it's very widespread as a sort of common personality pattern. It doesn't classify as something that a psychiatrist is going to give a diagnosis to, like the personality disorders. Um, But I still consider it dysfunctional. I think in God, it's dysfunctional. And when you look at, and we won't get into all, I don't think we have time to get into all the cost, all the pain caused by this pattern. Um, Because I just realized in the book, I was—I was just reading over one of my chapters. I had about twelve different things that is the price of being nice. It's huge, um, but it seems totally normal to the person. This is their life. I'm—I'm—I'm uh, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I'm a good guy, and uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to harm anybody because you know the people pleaser doesn't want to harm anybody. Doesn't want to be aggressive. Doesn't want to be demanding, and so it just seems like oh, the, what could go wrong? Being so nice, right?
0: Right. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's it's sort of surprising to think about. And and I think once we once you start to kind of reflect a little bit on our own lives, I mean I've certainly through through reading a lot of your material and some of the conversations we've had. I mean, I already knew there was an aspect of that that I that I wanted to get rid of, but to uh, really go deep and 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 to see, you know, there's different scenarios, different situations where you may show up differently, and there's different kinds of people that bring out different aspects of my personality. But that should be because I'm being my authentic self. Maybe not so much because I want to just make sure that everything's okay and that, that that you know it's a smooth interaction and and I'm sort of not really being me. Um, and that's something that I think, as we kind of get into the idea of people pleasing in the Christian world, I mean, how could you talk a little bit about how this, you know, does this affect a lot of Christians? Or uh, nope, Christians are fully authentic, not not an issue. What what do you think of today? <laughs> um, it, it easily could affect a lot of Christians, and some of the
1: Christian thinking can encourage it. So. You know, the, the Christian norm, the values, Jesus teaches us to be loving. Now, the thing is, if you're people pleaser, you interpret being nice as loving. Uh, and may miss out on what Jesus or God would mean by being loving. And, and if you study Jesus and how he worked with people and dealt with people and also was confronted with people, you don't get a definition of being nice. It's like, oh, but... To the people pleaser, it seems like, you know, uh, I would have defined as a people pleaser myself, I would have defined that I was being loving by being nice. And um, the other thing that uh, within the Christian teaching and preaching and so on is often it's it's understood, perhaps misunderstood what Jesus meant by the sin of being angry or being angry with your brother and. Uh, so Christians get this, it's it's sinful to be angry. Forgetting in Ephesians, it says be angry, but sin not. Uh, in therapy or, or a clear thinking uh, preacher, I think, would realize that it's more hate, resentment, bitterness, lack of forgiveness that Jesus would be warning about as opposed to a healthy anger that might be uh, fueling. A clear confrontation where there's no sin in terms of attacking the person but dealing with the problem
0: yeah and that's it's it's interesting you know we hear um like you said it just be kind just be nice and that's you know incorrectly becomes a synonym with being loving and you know if somebody's drinking a glass of poison and you got to maybe knock it out of their hand, that's the most loving thing you could do, you know, rather than to just be nice and kind of calm and, hey, you know, you really shouldn't drink that. Like, no, this is urgent. And, you know, I think when we look at Jesus flipping tables over in the temple, is that nice? Well, I mean, it certainly was a righteous anger that he uh, did, you know, he lived out there in a godly way. Clearly it was a godly way because that's who he is. And so I think that, uh, you know, you mentioned a few other things that just sort of show up like hate and bitterness and, and anger. Um, and are those some things that can sort of be under the surface, sort of hidden uh, for a person that has a habit of uh, people pleasing? OK,
1: you're going deep there. Um,
0: <laughs> we can skip across it, but
1: uh, yeah, I, I'm going to change it a little bit, though. Say. What gets hidden within the people pleaser is the ability to be angry and aggressive.
0: In a healthy way. Um,
1: in a healthy way. Yeah. So in, in, uh, there is stuff under the surface and that's maybe a little deep for our discussion today. Sure. But my main concern is that the people pleaser is taking that ability to be angry and aggressive and confrontive. And pushing it down so getting out of touch with that not wanting to be angry thinking that's wrong if i'm angry or i'm going to hurt people or it's really bad to be angry but uh, that also turns into not being aggressive which gets pushed down and that scene is oh it's good not to be aggressive but the end result is a person who is passive and can't tap into the energizing aspects and healthy aspects of aggression, which is getting things done, accomplishing goals on the, on the, on the uh, football field. And the aggressive player gets the ball down to the other end. You know? Yeah,
0: that's get. right. And, and that's exactly where I was trying to go with that. So you answered what I was uh, hoping, which is you, when you push it down it sort of get out of touch with how you really feel about something. And that's a big sacrifice because then it can show up later in an explosion or in some other way. And, uh, but I think let's get into, I know you're, um, this was something that you've written about your own story and I think it would be very helpful. Maybe we can go in a little bit of, of what you have with your own story around this topic.
1: Sure. Though thinking about it makes me sad. It's quite a <laughs> pain, painful story because, um, I was into a, a nearly complete loss of connection with my own feelings, my own identity, my own thinking for many, many years. And I think that's a huge loss. Um, so it ends up one feels lost and um, out, sort of out of touch with feelings in, in my case, which, makes it really hard to have relationships. Uh, It definitely affected the marriage I was in where where I had my two sons and um, my wife would say to me, no longer wife, but uh, she would say, you know, I didn't feel protected. You didn't stand up for me. Mm. So kind of Mm. the woman wants something in her, uh spouse and her man that's going to be uh a protector side and Mm -hmm. uh, stand up for her protect her and uh, typically no uh, you know my wife didn't feel that and also i think the wife ends up feeling very lonely because i'm married to this person but i don't know them because they're not expressing their feelings Mm -hmm. and that can result in, in in this marriage it did result in my wife niggling trying to get uh me to be expressive when even if all she got was anger she's getting some kind of connection of course it's not a very healthy way to have a connecting relationship is you got to get into a fight about it and be angry but mm-hmm. that sort of gives some clues how dysfunctional i was in my relationships were and uh,
0: yeah and what um what sort of woke you up to, I mean, what was it that was there a turning point or something where you sort of say, wow, I am I need to get toward being my authentic self, or you actually recognize, wow, I'm just suppressing this, or you, this isn't healthy, or something. Was there a turning point or something that woke you up, or was it a long, gradual process? There was a turning point, and, and, and before the
1: turning point was the turning point at which I came to God, gave my life to God, so... Mm. I think that there was that in me that was seeking love and seeking Mm. God's truth deep within. I wasn't exactly aware of it, but I think that was always going on. So that Mm -hmm. first, uh, making contact with God at some point. And so I'm early in my early 30s. It was years later in my late 30s. As a Christian, I went, I was getting training in Christian counseling. I went to a week long seminar and they covered the topic of people pleasing. They called it performance orientation. Mm-hmm. And I recognize it. That's it. Uh, oh. And I was with my pastor. So we were uh, bunking together. So that night I'd say, hey, Albert. Can you pray for me? I recognize myself here. Mm-hmm. So a dramatic start to a tr- the turnaround happened right there. Recognizing, becoming aware of it. And, and and seeking prayer, and I have no idea the specifics of the prayer, but recognizing, sharing it with him, getting his prayer. And I could actually sense a difference from that point on to some extent. Right? I think there's a lot of work still to be done, but I could mm-hmm. sense in a group I was no longer totally focused on what's everybody else expect. Mm-hmm. I was now thinking, what do I want to express and what is God what is my relationship with God and how do I express myself seem to be now taken it over from thinking about everybody else and what they expect.
0: This. So that is a very, I think a key distinction is when we are in a group or with someone else, what are they expecting me to say? And then measuring what I'm going to say against that versus what's in my heart. Like, what am I actually saying? And you know, what I've seen and it, whether it's in my work or personal relationships or whatever it is, when we start to get past that, you can really then God can really speak to you and through you in a situation where before it's all stifled and you can get all heady overthinking things and is this what I'm you know what's right versus you know being other person focused versus being focused on all right what's the Lord have for me in this what do I what do I really feel what do I really think of this and I think as people go down this path there's the, it's sort of a, something I think you write a little bit about having a capacity like you get this capacity back to be your authentic self versus uh, not being your authentic self.
1: Right. Right. So if you if you can make that dramatic shift and start things changing and, and prayerfully before God, I'm giving up this and I want to be more authentic and be myself. Then there's a process from then on, because you may have to get in touch with yourself. How do I my tastes and my feelings and my thoughts and getting my own thinking and, and then getting the ability to express it because in a sense, part of not expressing, not being your authentic self is losing your voice ability to speak clearly Um, ability to, I'm throwing in a few things here, but yeah. You know, if you're not clear about your identity, you have trouble leading, you have trouble making decisions because like, First thing we have to decide is who am I? And if you've not dealt with that, then everything coming from I now becomes weaker. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the, the, the more I got cleared from people pleasing, the more the easier it became to make a decision. And if you're writing up a report or something that, it, you know, it becomes I can trust. What's coming rather than having to keep analyzing and researching it.
0: Yeah, I think that's, um, those are some good words you mentioned, uh, indecisiveness and sort of, uh, there was a couple others, I think, but these these sort of uh, flags are sort of indicating this because it may be to a lesser degree, or maybe only one person or one relationship or one setting or one part of someone's life where it's maybe better or worse than others. And so those are good things to kind of tip us off to say, well, I needed to spend a little time here, uh, maybe seeing if there's some more, uh, d- deeper digging that I can do, uh, to become more authentic and less focused on what the other person expects of me and more focused on what I want to express and what I really feel is in my heart to to say. So one of the, one of the things you mentioned was the, um, a spouse that may, Want to uh, draw out, and even if it's anger, I mean, it's not healthy to have that, and it may not come out. But it's feeling; it's something. What would be something that, say, um, a spouse who has a husband that is closed up, or a man that's got a wife that's closed—they they're just not sharing. What's something they can do to to help? um, maybe get some sharing that's less, uh, that makes it safe for them to be able to share, or is there any little things they can do? I mean, beyond praying, uh, and, and if you have tips on that, uh, specific types of prayer or what to ask for, or just what can a spouse be doing? If, if they, I mean, we're talking about what, what I can do, what an individual can do. Now, if someone sees someone close to them, is there some steps that they could take to help with that?
1: Yes. And I guess I learned this from more from the couple counseling side and that and just how important listening is and meaning acknowledging what the other person is thinking and feeling. Um, So if you want your spouse to be more expressive of their feelings, take very careful note of when they express a feeling and affirm it Mm. and A listening response is like you're being like a counselor. You repeat back to the person the feeling word. What are they feeling and what they're thinking? And so it's like instead of expressing yourself right immediately, you give a little platform for the person and say, oh, okay. And so that's very important. And um, the other thing is if you're encouraging the person to be expressive, in a sense, Thank them if they're expressing their feelings, tell them from your point of view, you know, that helps me to understand you and trust you and love you more because you're sharing something you, you might not think it's, you know, a good thing to share, but I appreciate it because I get to know you more. So you affirm with uh, a thanks or a praise or something when that person expresses themselves
0: that's a very good uh, practical tip. And uh, one caveat I want to ask about, I think I know the answer to this, but uh, do you have to agree with the, the conclusion or the emotion that that person feels in order to sort of validate it or affirm them in that emotion?
1: Well, that's a good question because you set aside your own response or what you feel or what you believe about what the person has said. And first, it's all about them. You just reflect what are they feeling and what's their thought. And you could be in the middle of a conflict with them and you can still do that with the person. If you can sort of set yourself aside enough to just give some space to the other person, if you both can do that, it'll help uh, tone down conflicts. Uh, so my ke- the key thing is as soon as your partner expresses a feeling stop everything in your head and just give them some space and just reflect on that. Don't try to fix it, don't condemn it, don't disagree, don't lie, ignore it, acknowledge it. That's great, By, acknowledge, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, By, and, and people may acknowledge me, so uh, isn't just, oh, I hear what you're saying, or I, I, I know how, I, I can understand how you're feeling. Use the actual words. What is the feeling word they're expressing, mm-hmm. and what is what is the thought? Put it into words. This is a very. This is what I mean by saying knowledge. You you feed it back using the actual words for the feelings. And if the person hasn't expressed their feelings, you you're allowed to guess. Say, so what does it feel like? You're feeling frustrated here, or angry, or is anxious. You're not telling the person what they're feeling, but you're asking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I
0: think that's fine. That's that's fantastic. And I think, and I want to kind of drive one more point here because I think this is because when we hear these things, sometimes then we go to try and do it in practice and it's the scenario that comes up is just a little bit different. So maybe we don't recognize something. And, and, you know, um, some of our conversations, it's, it's more about, you know, well, when you start to tune into that, what's God saying And, and being able to just, your intuition you know your instinct kind of can kick in but some of the stuff like you said one signal is just what's there's a feeling being expressed and one of the things i've noticed um i've seen and i don't know if i read it in your stuff or another place but it's about a child and and a child who Uh, maybe acts out and has a feeling well there's a difference between uh you know they may do something you don't want them to do the behavior but there's a feeling that's being expressed and we need to be able to uh kind of validate the feeling but uh not the behavior and and sort of kind of separate the two could you talk a little bit about that and how you know you got to you know being careful to correct the behavior but not correct the feeling i mean could you talk a little bit about that and that's i use the example of a child but i mean of course it's the same with as we grow up
1: the thing in correcting a behavior yeah and if you're a if you're in the position of disciplining someone confronting them or whatever or disciplining a child you need to be able to do a switch between one attitude and the other as you're doing it so so I'll give you maybe thirty seconds to express displeasure and upset or anger or frustration with the behavior, and then you switch. now. You go to understanding the feeling and affirming the person and expressing love to the person. So you got that both in
0: there, and I. That's, that's fa- perfect. And at least separating the two, because I think, you know, if those of us are, you know, people who have a tendency to go towards the uh, people pleasing side inauthentic, there's steps they can take to become more authentic, to get rid of that expectation focus from others v- and more internally. And, and what am I, you know, authentically, what am I going what, who, how can I authentically be myself? And then there's also something that others can do or that they can do to help others be their authentic self. And one of those, like like we've mentioned, is to not stifle the feelings because a feeling is there for a reason, and especially with children. But as we grow up, it needs to be safe to express a feeling and, and, and being able to separate those two and just being aware of that, I think we can very clearly see there's a difference between what someone feels about something and how it's expressed in a behavior. And we can talk about what's an appropriate expression of that feeling and what's not appropriate Uh, But I think um, that that's an incredible, that's a very important distinction to make there.
1: Yeah, and I would, if I was writing a book on parenting, Christian parenting or parenting, you know, I I think a whole chapter could be encouraging parents to teach their young children feeling words, have it up in the fridge or have a a few emojis and Mm -hmm. start with a few and just add some others and so that you can... You can point to those and say, OK, so what are you feeling right now when the child's upset and they start learning the word for the feeling? And uh, that's uh, very valuable to teach expression of emotions. And as you as we're saying, though, uh, emphasize to the children. What's it's not appropriate or socially appropriate to express it in a physical Hitting somebody when you're angry, use your words might be the expression. Right,
0: (laughs) And I think as we um, take this in, maybe into the workplace or in our marriage or relationships or other family people close, I think that sort of distinction is really getting clear on what's the emotion? How are you feeling? Like, tell me, like, what's going on with, you know, for you now? What are you feeling? And, And sort of bringing that out. And just like you said, listen mode, like turn off, you know, turn off the mouth and, and listen only mode. And I think that, um, you know, whether it's a child or whether it's an adult, just really understanding the importance that feelings are real, they matter. Um, and then sort of tr- training and going towards the, or may not be the right word for grown up to grown up, but adult to adult, but, you know, sort of laying out what is a, is the way we want to operate together, so to speak. Yes. One of the um, things, you know, this this is sort of, we've talked on kind of how this shows up and some of the expression of it. Could you maybe talk about um, some of the implications on how this could affect someone's life if it goes unaddressed, and then we'll get into maybe some next steps uh, that Christians uh, can take uh, to get out of this. We've covered a few already, but uh, where's this going if it remains unaddressed?
1: Well, again that's just brings me a certain sadness to think about that because there's that doesn't go to a good place mm-hmm. you know um, and as I say I have in one of my chapters I it, it is um, is on what is the price of being nice I believe is, is a chapter of, and uh, I think I've got at least 12 points in there and they're mm-hmm. all very important and the thing is, um, from God's point of view, this may seem strange, but because it's inauthentic and not God's best, and we've given up our birthright to be a person and have an identity and so on, that there's certain mechanisms in place in psychology or through God's grace that this pattern can actually go into collapse, So, which I call a nervous breakdown. So the it's like the pattern breaks down. So that the authentic self can emerge, and uh, I would call that in the sense a positive nervous breakdown because it's a breakdown for a purpose. the old is breaking down like the Bible talks about putting the old to death mm-hmm. so that new can emerge and so it's helpful to have a counselor therapist who understands that process if you're going through it mm-hmm. um, yeah, but yes let me just check my own list of different things uh, about this um okay uh, first thing i say here is without if your identity is lost it's almost impossible. To be a speaking you know a loving person a good leader a courageous man of god mm-hmm. yeah, it's like um and what else here yeah you're not able to be real and express your emotions so that's affecting your relationships mm-hmm. because emotions are so important in expressing who we are so um for men in particular but it may apply to women too there's this loss of the masculine side the masculine will the backbone mm-hmm. um the ability to protect your loved ones and fight uh injustice um, I mentioned the loss of ability to think clearly and make decisions, so I don't know if the, this is some of the what I call the is this what you were asking about?
0: yeah, that's perfect. I mean, I think it's it's sort of how it can show up uh right away and in a bigger sense, what can happen down the line what happens if, down the line yeah, if it's not addressed, and I think that you know maybe all of us to some degree have some uh sense of an expectation of others. Um, And I'd say it's more of an exception that for somebody who has none of that, but if that's the case, you know, well, then what's the step we, you know, we want to know what can we take and what can we do? And I think you've given some good identifiers to know if that maybe we should be looking for a next step in a certain area for you. I know there you had sort of this big aha at the uh, event you were at and you heard a speaker talking about this and you happened to be staying with a pastor and Um, you could recognize that very clearly. And then you were able to get prayer and you had this sort of supernatural shift. Um, Is there anything that comes to mind? Maybe for somebody, maybe that is what this is right now for the person listening. Could you talk about a next step for them? Maybe something, you know, maybe they don't have access and we're going to give a way to get a chapter of your book here to get next steps, Uh, give your email so people can get in contact with you there um, and get a chapter of your book but what are some next steps maybe uh, that a person can take, whether you like the listening prayer therapy or, uh, you know, something they can do between them and God or searching their own hearts or whatever it is. I mean, what's some next steps uh, that people can take in addition to getting a free copy of the chapter of your upcoming book?
1: <laughs> um, Well, the one pair prayer, prayer, if if a Christian can, it, uh, can think about it this way is, is like putting to death. So that's so like, Put this to death, uh, like so in prayers, just choosing to put to death that old self, that old identity so that the new can come. So that kind of prayer direction, um, Paul speaks of put off the old as if it's a pair of clothes that you're not going to wear anymore. So you put it off and don't even leave it in the closet as an option. Mm -hmm. Put it off because you're putting on a new Identity, so you can you can pray that and picture that, uh, and kind of do your own triggering of the change. But then working through the change is an ongoing thing. One strange thing I do, Ryan, with with uh, people that are really struggling to be more direct and with so much people pleasing, is I'm now asking people to choose a particular, I talked to them about the need for being aggressive in a healthy way. Then Mm -hmm. I asked them to choose an animal they can identify an animal that's more aggressive, like, you know, a lion or a wolf or a bear or something like this. And like that suggests that they choose one to identify and sort of start allowing and looking for that inner wolf or inner bear, that, that inner Mm -hmm. growl, you know, to, To know that it's there. The point is not that you turn into an aggressive person or violent person, but you need to know you have a potential there. So um, in relationships, you can establish boundaries. You don't have to be overly aggressive, but you can sort of, when somebody's stepping across the line, you can give a little growl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. You know know what I mean?
0: Yep, And and, uh, sort of a shot across the bow, uh, so to speak. Um yeah one hey the- that's
1: that's not appropriate no, yes and the the dealing with the memories and the core beliefs is part is something that's done in therapy, and we haven't talked about the core beliefs behind the people, pleaser, but there's going to be beliefs that are really painful, such as um oh nobody loves me the way i am or i'm unlovable or even i'm bad there's this good and bad uh, dichotomy goes on with people please they're trying to be good but a part of me believing that i must be bad and, mm-hmm. and these beliefs get triggered when somebody criticizes you or something goes wrong you go down into this pit this depressive state where all these beliefs now get activated and you're living with this huge amount of negativity so yes cleaning it up is going to mean cleaning up in in, in my case would be something like listening prayer
0: mm-hmm.
1: to clean up those negative beliefs letting jesus come in asking for god's truth and really confronting those core beliefs and looking maybe at the memories where that they were triggered whatever works to weaken those core beliefs and replace them with god's
0: truth yeah that's that's fantastic and i think that um just sort of taking time to think about reflect on that adding god's word with it um in that prayer time and like if you have access to a counselor or a pastor someone who can help with that or a uh, therapist um very helpful um to do that as well and i think i like the idea of getting down to the core beliefs because if those are um sort of never brought to the surface that they may be festering under there and then as we talked about not being the true self it an explosion can come because there those haven't been processed and then that's just the reaction that's there that's it's never been matured to the to the point to where that's dealt with and now um that's there um that's the way it comes out versus a a healthy way to express you know the true self and authentic self Uh,
1: okay let me give you another one or some specifics that your listeners can use for dealing with a core belief so let's say you're paying attention to your own feelings and it's the end of the day and you, and there was some kind of flared or upset or you could feel yourself being emotional at this particular point, no matter what the emotion is, it's like, Oh, something was coming to the surface at that point. So in the evening you reflect on that, write down, what's the situation, what's the emotion. Then with the help of the Holy spirit, start looking for what, did I believe what was I believing there mm-hmm. and um then that's it, great in prayer, you can be saying to God, "Oh, what is your truth?
0: That's great, that's very good, and then um, sort of writing that out um and uh, to keep keep it moving, you can't cut well, it's good to think about things. I think it's very healthy and helpful. It's also helpful to write because you can't cut corners writing like you can when in your mind, but um depending on what you're thinking about or writing about. Yeah, uh, if can you're be helpful. if
1: you're serious and you're writing or journaling and every day look for something you're feeling. It doesn't have to be a bad feeling, it has to doesn't have to be you know, terrible crises. Just keep track of your feelings because the people please gets out of touch with the feelings. So just As you note those feelings, you're starting to tune in. That's great. And And, and,
0: yeah, go ahead. Tuning into the feelings. And I think that's the, I mean, that's a big step for a lot of people that it's, if they've been stuffing the feelings or ignoring or avoiding or saying, this one's not appropriate. This one's, I want to be like Jesus. And it's, well, Jesus had a lot, had feelings, you know, he was the inventor. I mean, they came from his, come from his nature and so from god's nature and so of course we can have those and, and we need to have them in a righteous way and um sanctified um so as we kind of wrap up here um you know i think one of the things that's important to remember that i've seen in some of what you've put out is about that this is a process it's i mean there can be a key turning point um where, like you had, where all of a sudden you are on a new path. Now your eyes are open, but it's still a process. Could you maybe just say a few words about what people can expect when they start to take these actions and go down this way? To you know, to not be discouraged um, as they see maybe step setbacks as they go forward with this. No, there's there's a, yes, it's, it's interesting. There can be
1: dramatic changes, and then there can be an ongoing process there is i believe you're correct and so when i say oh i had a dramatic change and it's good i could see some changes and then i think the rest of my life has been uh growing into the new self leaving the old behind Um, and so gradually becoming more and more expressive more and more clear thinking uh more confrontive when confrontation is needed Uh, more able to take leadership and uh, able to write and all these things begin to come and probably more present with people. So making more eye contact, more connection and uh, living in the present is part of that too. Just being aware of your present situation. And I guess There's a danger with all the media that a person could escape. I'm listening to this. I'm into this. I'm playing this game. I'm on this video. I'm watching this film and being present with people or your life or what's around you can get lost. And a sense, then, you know, if you're going to talk with somebody or talk about movies, not about one another. Yeah. <laughs> What's
0: going on. <laughs> More meaningful things. Yeah. So I think, um, one of the things I've kind of heard is a, uh, maybe a helpful way to do that is as a, as the process continues and you're that new person and in Christ, we are a new person, but maybe as that old person shows up, you start to see that as a different person. Like that's not me anymore. That's just the old trying to come back is that something you think could be helpful to, uh, you know, well, the new me I- I'm this way, I'm authentic, I'm real. I'm showing up. If, if, if it's, you know, sneaking back in and have some old habits coming up, it's like, well, that's not me anymore. Just, I mean, is there a good separation to make there?
1: It's good to be aware of that. And it's good to like, refuse the old when it comes back, it, it, it's good to confer, confirm or affirm strength in the new. So, with my clients, I may be establishing identity statements. So as a breakthrough happens, then I'll ask, so how does that feel after this healing? And so then can you put that feeling word into a sentence like I am and then joyful or whatever it is? And then I'll ask the person to practice the that identity, maybe start the day thinking about that person that emerged out of that healing experience. And put that forefront and get, they say it takes 21 days to get into a new state of mind. So you would practice those new identity statements for 21 days to get rolling in that new identity.
0: Yeah. And that's great. So as we close here, I always like to ask people, um do, you know for there do you have sort of a uh, habit a key habit a foundational or a keystone or like an anchor habit something you do whether it's time with god or reading the word or every day or you know is there some key thing that you have that sort of sets you on the right path for the day or wrapping up the day or just some sort of keystone or anchor habit that you have that you want to share I uh, think
1: something I focus on, and it comes a little bit out of this and a little bit out of couples therapy, and that is to be sure to spend time with my wife where we can be authentic and real and and converse in a way that uh, satisfies that need for connection. and And apart from those times, making sure that we acknowledge each other in the little ways that somebody's saying something, acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. And if if I say something and my wife sort of misses it or is involved in something else, I will not just walk away. I will like, okay, I'll make sure I'm making contact. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you get what I'm saying? So I would say my focus, my discipline is, uh, is maybe under listening. Interpersonal listening. Be sure there's a connection. Be sure you have some time in the day to have an intimate listening connection with my wife. And um, yeah, wonderful. That's, pro- that's probably
0: my main discipline. Very good habit to have, I think. Uh, so now let's. Uh, so that wraps us up for this time. I think we're going to have you back here. We're going to have another conversation. But let let's. Uh, can you share with people how they can get that free chapter from your book on people pleasing? Uh, For now, let's just say,
1: send me an email to request it at uh, ghartwell, H-A-R-T-W-E-L-L at Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S dot com. And just request, I'll send you a link to all the draft chapters in my book, which is called Heal My Inner Child. And um, there's about three chapters there, Uh, maybe chapters three, four, and five will be on people pleasing.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me. I think uh, I would really encourage everybody to send an email to George and uh, get that few chapters there and have a look and go a little deeper. And I think uh, you'll get a lot from that. So, well, George, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate having you on the show.
1: I enjoyed it. Stirs up old memories for me, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a good thing that uh, you've got some good processes to continue the process and continue the growth. So thank you again uh, for sharing that with us. God bless you and all your listeners. Thank you. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you for joining. God bless you. And we'll see you in the next episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and you can help spread the word by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with your friends. Visit ryanshoward.com to learn more about how you can advance God's kingdom every day.